We're going to continue this morning our series in the book of Daniel. And uh, today is an exciting day because we're, we're at the halfway point in the book of Daniel today. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. And uh, if you're familiar with the book of Daniel, or, or maybe not, but uh, Daniel chapter 6 really brings to an end the biographical section of the book of Daniel. And starting next week, the second half of the book of Daniel is all prophecy. It's all about God's prophetic word and his plans for the future. And so we're going to be digging into some exciting stuff as God tells us, uh, fore, foretells us what's going to come, not only in, in the immediate context of Daniel's life there in the Medo Persian Empire where he finds himself now. Uh, remember, Babylon has fallen. It's now the, the Medo Persian Empire ruling. Uh, God's going to prophetically declare what's to come in those next days. But then in the hundreds and thousands, Thousands of years to come, God's going to declare prophetically his plan for humanity all the way up till the end times. And so there's going to be a lot of exciting things that we're going to cover together. Uh, today, however, though, we come to one of the most famous stories in all of Scripture, certainly the most famous story in Daniel's life, uh, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. On the screen behind me, you see a picture of a group known as the 40 Martyrs of Sebaste. These were Roman legionnaires who were serving in the 12th Roman Legion. The year was 320 A.D. And Emperor Licinius had passed a decree that the entire Roman army needed to offer sacrifices to the Roman gods. Well, in this 12th Roman legion, there were 40 soldiers who were followers of Jesus Christ. And these 40 soldiers, when this decree was passed, went to their commanding officer and they said, we cannot sacrifice to the Roman gods. We're followers of Jesus. This commander was so infuriated that his troops would not follow the emperor's command that he devised a scheme to have these soldiers renounce their faith. That night, he stripped them naked and sent them out onto a frozen lake outside the city of Sebaste, which is in the central area of what is modern-day Turkey. And these 40 soldiers stripped naked, huddled there on the frozen ice. The commanding officer declared to them, you can be free of this misery as soon as you renounce Jesus Christ. Come off the lake. To torment them even further, he had prepared a, a hot, warm bath there on the shore of the lake for anyone who would renounce their faith in Jesus. Those 40 Roman soldiers stood there in the freezing cold, huddled together, singing hymns and praising the name of Jesus all through the night. Slowly, hour by hour, men began to fall and succumb to the cold, dying there out on that frozen lake, refusing to renounce their faith in Jesus. Eventually, one of the soldiers, as he saw his brothers falling around him, and he looked out on the shore and saw the warm bath, he, he decided that he couldn't take the torment any longer. And he stepped off that lake, and he renounced his faith in Jesus as his remaining brothers continued to sing hymns of praise on the frozen lake. The Roman commander was so moved by the courage and testimony of those faithful 39 who stood fast for Jesus, that the Roman commander himself literally stripped himself of his garments and took the place of that 40th soldier 
who had renounced his faith in Jesus, and he went and he stood to his death with the other 39. They're known as the 40 holy martyrs of Sebaste. You know, I think of Daniel, the prophet we've been studying together for the last couple of months, and, and I think Daniel would have fit right in with these faithful soldiers of Christ. Daniel was a man, as we've seen through our, our study of his life, he was a man who was sold out, surrendered, and set apart in his devotion to God. And this morning... As we continue our study of Daniel's life, we're going to see yet again another incredible example of Daniel's consistency and devotion to Yahweh. As I mentioned earlier, our passage this morning is, is Daniel chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den, certainly one of the most famous stories in Daniel's life, if not all of Scripture. And while this story rightly gets a lot of attention, friends, I think it's important that we recognize that this episode in Daniel's life was really the culmination of a lifetime of faithfulness to God. In fact, the reality is Daniel was an old man in his 80s when he spent the night in the lion's den. We don't often think of it that way, do we? But Daniel was probably in his mid-80s that night when he slept with the lions. And while we so often think of this story as the pinnacle of his testimony, the truth of the matter is Daniel had really been living in the lion's den for over 65 years. Daniel had been facing lions his entire life. In fact, you could rightly describe Babylon, the, the empire where Daniel was in exile, as one big den of lions. It was a culture awash in sin, characterized by compromise, reeking of rebellion against the one true God of heaven. Yes, friends, make no mistake. The lion's den might appear for the first time in our passage this morning, but Daniel had been living amidst lions his entire life. And friends, I want us to recognize this morning that just like Daniel we, as God's people, are living in this fallen, sinful world. And we, too, find ourselves living in the midst of the lions, in the lion's den. We live in a world where God, in his sovereign wisdom, has allowed our adversary, the devil, to have temporary power over this present age. And temporary is the key word. We're going to see that this next week in Daniel chapter 7. God has allowed Satan temporary power, but it is power under the permission of God. And so until Jesus returns and once for all establishes his righteous reign over the world, we find ourselves, like Daniel, living in the lion's den. Make no mistake about it. Look what Scripture tells us about this. 1 John chapter 5, verses 19. John tells us we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We read on passages like Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Peter tells us, 1 Peter 5, 8, that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself told his disciples in Matthew 10, 16, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Friends, make no mistake, we are living in the lion's den. God has called us to live in this fallen world system where we are faced with the reality of Satan's temporary power over this world. And so the question before us this morning is this, how can we, like Daniel, live a life of wholehearted commitment and devotion to God in the midst of the lion's den? That's what we're going to look at this morning as we look to Daniel's example here in Daniel chapter 6. Let's take a look at our passage this morning, and then I want to come back and I want to highlight four aspects of Daniel's example that can encourage us as we find ourselves living today in the lion's den of this present age. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along, or on the screen behind me, we have the text. Daniel chapter 6, remember God had just crashed Babylon's party last week. Uh, King Belshazzar has fallen. The Metal Persian Empire has taken over. We now have a new king over, the ba- over Babylon, King Darius. And we read here now in verse 6, this is probably the very same year as the fall of Babylon, the next year. So Daniel is still around. He's still involved. And remember the year 539 B.C. This is all taking place. We know this historically. Chapter 6, verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Friends, understand this. Government corruption and conspiracy theories are nothing new. These have been the reality in this fallen world system we find ourselves in from the very beginning. Verse 8 continues. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. 
When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came and by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. Or the injunction you signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Remember, he had already seen in Daniel that that this was a valuable asset to his government. He already wanted to elevate Daniel to an even higher position. And now he's troubled because he knows he needs to put Daniel into the lion's den. But again, the men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they and their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What an awesome story, isn't it? Truly one of the great stories in all of Scripture. Well, friends, as we talked about a moment ago, we too find ourselves today living in the lion's den. 
And as we look to Daniel's example of how he lived and his devotion and his commitment, we too can find inspiration for our lives today in the lion's den. I want to highlight four characteristics that we see in Daniel that we can apply to our own experience. The believer's life in the lion's den, number one, should be characterized by fruitful service. Fruitful service. In the second and third century AD, there were a group of Christian uh, ascetics known as the Desert Fathers. These were were men who sought spirituality through separation. They they moved into the deserts of North Africa and they lived in isolation, separating themselves from the world, thinking that by coming out of the world, they could be free of temptation. They could pursue a relationship with God. And you know, friends, I think about these desert fathers and while I I find their goal of, of fleeing temptation and growing their relationship with God commendable, the reality is I don't think that this is a biblical call for God's people. In fact, when we read throughout Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament, God never calls his people out of the world, but he calls us into the world in service of it and to advance the glory of his name. Daniel certainly understood that reality as well. Daniel, at the time of our passage, had been living in Babylon now for 65 years, roughly 50 years before Daniel uh, experienced the story of the lion's den. He had received a letter with the other exiles in Babylon from the prophet Jeremiah, who was back in Judah. And the prophet Jeremiah sent instructions from God to the exiles in Babylon, Daniel would have received these instructions. He would have applied these instructions to his own experience. Listen to what God said to the exiles in Babylon through the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. And listen to this. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Friends, Daniel would have heard these instructions. Daniel would have sought to live out these instructions. In fact, that's what we see all throughout the example of Daniel's life as he is serving faithfully in Babylon. He is serving on behalf of the city of Babylon for its welfare and for the glory of God. You know, we often think about Daniel and we see these you know we, we've been in what how many pages here six six seven pages of Daniel's life so far in our series but this covers 65 years and, and, and we have these these little glimpses of these highlights what was Daniel doing the rest of that time Daniel was putting these instructions into practice he was working and he was witnessing and he was worshiping that was his daily pattern serving on behalf of the welfare of the city as God had instructed for the welfare of the people of Babylon and for the glory of God. Friends, this should be our goal as well as long as we live in this world. 
We should be people who fruitfully serve wherever God has placed us. Jesus himself gave his, his disciples these very same instructions. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Friends, does that sound like Jesus wants us to pull ourselves out of this world? No, not at all. Jesus says you be in the world and you let your light shine before men so that they might see your good works and give glory to God. Friends, let me ask you this morning, what might this kind of fruitful service look like in your life? as you live as an ambassador of Jesus Christ in this world. God calls us to seek the welfare of the city for their benefit and for his glory. Let's seek to apply that to our lives, friends. Let's seek to be people, no matter our occupation, no matter our career, no matter our neighborhoods, no, right? Like, go into the world to fruitfully serve for the glory of God. The second characteristic we see from Daniel's example here, the believer's life in the lion's den should be characterized by faultless character. Faultless character. You know, it's really interesting. So here's Daniel faithfully serving, right? And, and he's being promoted all throughout his life. He keeps getting elevated to greater and greater degrees of service in the kingdom. Obviously, he had God's favor on him supernaturally, which gave him favor in the eyes of the king. But then Daniel took that blessing and lived it out in fruitful service. And so the king just wants to keep elevating Daniel. Well, as we saw in our passage, all of a sudden, the other administrators of the kingdom start getting jealous, and feeling threatened. And they start looking to dig up dirt on Daniel. You know, it's interesting. We're in the midst of another presidential political season, right? I mean, President Biden has two more years. And already, you know, all kinds of people are announcing their candidacy for president. I think so far we've had uh, Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy and, you know, there's rumors about Mike Pence and Ron DeSantis. And as soon as a name gets thrown out, right, what is the first thing the media does? The very first thing the media does, they start trying to dig up dirt on all these candidates, right? And that very night they announce their candidacy and you turn on the news and sure enough, there's all these stories, you know, dirt here, dirt here, dirt here. They start digging up dirt. Friends, there was no dirt to be dug up in Daniel's life. In fact, his conspirators were so frustrated that they couldn't find any dirt on Daniel. In fact, verse 5 says, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this man unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Isn't that interesting? Daniel lived with such character and integrity that the only thing his adversaries could pin him on was his faith. There were no corrupt business dealings. There were no vulgarities directed as, at his adversaries. There was no mistress on the side. The only thing they could pin on this guy was he's just too faithful to his God. What an awesome model, friends. Wouldn't it be great if that was the world's experience of the majority of God's people today? You know, man... I sure don't like that guy's 
beliefs and all of his politics and his religion, but man, he just sure is a good guy. I'd love to have him as my neighbor. I'd love to have him work in my company. A man of integrity, a woman of integrity, character, right? That's what Daniel was here. That's what God calls us to, friends, as we live in this world. To be people of faultless character. Look how the apostle Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 through 12. Peter says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Okay, so while you're in exile, this world is not our home, right? We're living in the lion's den. I urge you, friends, as you're living in the lion's den, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. And what? Keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Friends, that's what God has called us to, to be people of faultless character. You know what? The world might attack me for my biblical beliefs. The world might you know, attack me for, for my morals and my lifestyle. But the last thing I want the world to be able to attack me on is my character. I want the world to say, that is a man of integrity. That should be our goal. That's what God has called us to. And friends, notice the contrast here that we see between Daniel and King Darius. It's so stark, the contrast between Daniel and Darius. Darius is a a guy with no sense of moral conviction whatsoever. We, We would call him in our contemporary language a relativist and a pragmatist. This was a guy who, you know, put his finger in the wind and tested the the direction of the wind on a given day and what was popular and what what direction was the crowd moving. This is Darius, right? Swayed by the voices of the world, willing to compromise with the crowd, motivated by his own self-interest and vainglory. We look at Darius here and we find a powerful reminder that morally weak leaders make morally weak laws which leads to a morally weak people. This is the case throughout history, friends. This is what took place in Babylon, in the Middle Persian Empire. We're going to see it as we move forward in God's prophetic word for the future. Character matters, friends. We see that here in Daniel's example. And if you want the kind of character that Daniel possessed, there's only one place where you're going to find it. If you still have your Bibles open, look back at verse 3. What does it say? This Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. Friends, you know, this is, this is, I believe, the fourth time now throughout the book of Daniel up to this point that we've heard those words about Daniel. This was a man with an excellent spirit in him. A man who had the spirit of God with him. This keeps coming up in Daniel. What what was taking place in Daniel? What was this excellent spirit all about? Friends, the reality was Daniel was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It was the Holy Spirit that had produced this excellent character in Daniel. And I want to encourage you, friends, he can do that in your life as well. When you cultivate your relationship with God, through worship, through the study of God's word, in your prayer life, right? As you faithfully seek God, the Holy Spirit will begin to develop his fruit in your life. 
As the Apostle Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the characteristics that the Spirit begins to produce in us as we walk with Him in a relationship with Him. And you too, friends, can be like Daniel, a person who is so full of God that that just overflows in a life of faultless character. That's what God wants for us as his people as we live our lives in the midst of the lion's den. Fruitful service, faultless character. Thirdly, this morning, we we see in Daniel's example, the believer's life in the lion's den should be characterized by faithful worship. Faithful worship. I love Daniel's response to the conspirators and the king's ordinance. All right, so, so the king passes this decree that for 30 days, everybody in the kingdom needs to pray only to King Darius. And what was Daniel's response? What did he do? The, well, friends, we see Daniel was a James 4.10 kind of believer. What does James 4.10 tell us? James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, friends, Daniel was an Old Testament believer. James 4.10 is New Testament, but Daniel certainly understood this biblical principle. That when we humble ourselves before the Lord, God will exalt us. And so Daniel's response to the decree, as his conspirators suspected, right? Why? Because he was a man of faultless character. Daniel's response to the decree was exactly what they thought he would do. What does he do? He goes up into his bedroom window. Verse 10 tells us, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, right? He knew it was signed. The decree is official. This is the law of the land. And yet, he goes to his house, the windows are open, and he prays on his knees three times a day facing Jerusalem, giving thanks to his God as he had done previously. Nothing changed for Daniel with the king's decree. Daniel's response to the plot against him, three words. It was determined, it was devoted, and it was directed. I love that, friends. Daniel hears the decree, and his faith would not falter. His worship would not change. His God would not be forsaken. Daniel had drawn a line in the sand when he was 15 years old. And he had not strayed or wavered from that line since. Daniel was resolved to honor God. And Daniel's actions here, understand friends what he's saying to the king He's essentially saying to the king, you can take me from my homeland, you can change my name, you can indoctrinate me into your pagan worldview, I'll even serve in your government and interpret your dreams. But I will not pray to the king or worship any other god. Isn't that awesome? You know, friends, there have been times throughout history when God's people have sometimes disagreed over what it means to be in the world and not of the world. And there's legitimate debate to be had on that point. But friends, understand this morning, the one thing that all true believers have always agreed on is the one to whom all honor, worship, and praise is due. On that question, there's never been a question. 
we worship and serve God alone. I'll never forget a number of years ago when I was in China. I had the privilege of meeting a, an elderly man who had survived the cultural revolution of Chairman Mao during the late 1960s as Mao Zedong and the communists were seeking to purge China of all Christian influence. Millions of believers were killed, martyred during those, those years. This elderly man had survived the cultural revolution. He had spent decades in a prison camp. In fact, he still had scars on his wrists and ankles from the chains that he wore every day. He shared his story with us how in his earlier years he had been a professor at one of the universities in Beijing. The communists found out that he was a follower of Jesus, that he was leading his students in Bible study there at the university. They showed up at his house one day, and they took his wife and his son and him outside the house, lined them up against the house of the wall, put guns to his wife and son's head, and said to this professor, if you don't renounce Jesus Christ, we're going to kill your son. What would you do? Before this man had a chance to respond, his teenage son yelled out, I will never renounce Jesus Christ. And the communist soldier pulled the trigger. They next went to his wife and said, if you won't renounce Jesus, we're going to kill her too. And just like her son, she said, I will never renounce Jesus. And they pulled the trigger. Because he was a young, fit man who was able to do hard labor, they took him away to the work camps where he toiled away for decades. Such a privilege to meet a man like that. I remember we asked him, how did your faith survive throughout all those trials? Over all those years. He said this, how could I not gladly give my all to the one who gave so much for me? Friends, what's the believer's line in the sand? The believer's line in the sand is honoring Jesus above all else, no matter the cost. Whenever I share the story of these dear Chinese brothers and the sacrifices they've made, I can't help but think of Daniel's three friends who made a similar stand that we saw back in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Friends, as God's people in this world, there may be times when we have to draw a line in the sand and say to our friends, or our boss, or even our government, that's a boundary that I will not cross, even if I have to count the cost for following Jesus. Fourthly, this morning in Daniel's example, the believer's life in the lion's den should be characterized by fearless trust. Fearless trust. So they catch Daniel praying in his upper room and they drag him away and haul him off to the lion's den. You know, it's interesting, as I was reading through this story, I started noticing, have you noticed, there's not a single word from Daniel yet up to this point in the story, is there? 
Even as he's being dragged away to the lion's den, there's no cry for help, there's no plea, there's, there's no begging. Why is that? Friends, I think the reason why we haven't heard from Daniel here is because Daniel didn't fear the lions. He feared the Lord. And by fear, I mean Daniel had a confident trust in God. Daniel's faith was no blind faith. This wasn't wishful thinking. This wasn't, yeah, you know, I sure hope all this God stuff is real. No, Daniel's faith had been rooted and cultivated in over 80 years of a faithful walk with God, watching God's faithfulness in his life, seeing God's prophecies come true. Daniel had witnessed that his God was faithful, and he had come to know in a very real and powerful way the truth of what King David tells us in Psalm 18 Verse 30, King David says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Friends, do you believe that? It's true. It's absolutely true. Daniel knew that truth. He trusted that promise, even as he was hurled into the den of ravenous lions. And friends, I want you to know something. For Daniel, that night in the lion's den, it was the safest place in all of Babylon. How do I know that? I know that because it wasn't just Daniel and the lions in the den that night. Look what verses 19 through 22 tell us. At daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And here's the very first time we hear from Daniel. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Daniel says, my God sent his angel. Who was this angel? Friends, I believe this angel was the angel of the Lord. I believe it's the very same angel that we saw standing in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who was this angel of the Lord? He appears all over the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, I believe, is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God. The one who we know today is Jesus. And make no mistake, friends, Jesus is the Lord over lions, and he's the one who triumphs over tombs. And verse 23 tells us, no harm was found on Daniel because he had trusted in his God. I want you to understand this morning, God doesn't promise to keep us from the lion's den, but he does promise that when we trust in him, he will keep us through it. Friends, as I close this morning, I want to ask you today, where's your trust? Do you know the God of Daniel? Do you have a relationship with him? If you don't, I want to encourage you once again to hear the words of King Darius in verses 26 through 27. He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And he can be your God too. 
if you'll put your trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this powerful passage and the example of faith and commitment and devotion that we see in Daniel. And Lord, I just pray that you would inspire us through Daniel's model, through this vision, Lord, to to seek to live out this same kind of committed faith which boldly stands in the midst of the lion's den of our world today declaring that we serve the true King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, we will serve faithfully. Yes, we will seek to be people of character and integrity, but we will not worship the gods of this world. Our devotion is reserved for Jesus Christ alone. And Lord, even if it means we have to go through trials and hardships, I pray that we would continue to look to you as Daniel did, in faith and in trust, knowing that you are the God who leads us through the lion's den, the God who triumphs over tombs, the God who is faithful when we put our trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for those promises. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. We pray all this in your great name. Amen. Friends, if any of you would like prayer this morning, I want to invite you to come to the front of the platform. Some of our elders and Stephen ministers will be here. Maybe, maybe you, like Daniel, are facing the lion's den, trials in your life, and, and you could use some prayer support. We want to be there for you. So come forward if you like. I want to invite you to stand for our benediction this morning. Great words from the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, verse 7. And now, friends, may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you.